available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Repping it on my hat today, and together we make the Podcast of Champions. Talking all things, Pac-12 football, eight-ranked teams Three battles of ranked teams this weekend. We got a recap. It was a weird kind of week three, and we're going to preview and do our picks against the spread. Week four, we can pat ourselves on the back for some really good picks. David and I were both four and two against the spread last week. 17 to 10 overall. We're, yeah, pretty, baby. Good. we're pretty good. Uh, we got the out-of-conference ones down. Down. Now we get to get into the meat. Yeah, but now here's where it gets shitty usually with our picks. Like... You know, I don't think we're going to be maintaining a uh, nearly two to one uh, wins losses ratio. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. I think if we can maintain a plus seven to ten wins over losses, I think that'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well, that would that would be kind of nice. We'll see. We'll see what we can do there. Uh, If you have questions or comments, we're going to have a long show because we, uh, for some reason, I I don't know why we weren't able to do a recap show. So we're going to. I know why. I know why. Wait, what? Why was that? Uh, Ryan had to go on his. (laughs) Was this the 17th or 18th vacation of the year? I don't know. It's up there somewhere. (laughs) It's not a vacation. It's like two days. Oh, yeah. God. (laughs) Two days in the middle of the beginning of the work week, in the middle of football season, the busiest time of the year for our business. USC had a bye week. Uh Uh-huh. I went to Catalina camping and fishing a little bit. It was fun. Yeah. I'm glad it was fun. I'm glad it was fun. Uh yeah. I have I have friends who are listeners who ask me, does Ryan actually have a job? Does he actually work? <laughs> I do. I work. Come on, come on. Uh okay. So yeah, we got a lot to get to today. We'll do a quick recap. We'll preview the games. We gotta go over our picks. The survival pool had uh massive damage. There's a less less surviving than you would want in a pool of such Yeah, men. there was there was a hit below the waterline <laughs> for our uh, our listenership. Yes. Uh, and uh, I warned you. I warned you. We, didn't we switch? Did we? Did we? I didn't have Stanford originally. I think you switched from Stanford. Maybe, maybe I had somebody else. I think it was Arizona originally. Then I went to Cal. Yeah. But I warned you about Stanford. Yeah. Sac State's legit. They beat them. It's pretty legit. Okay. Uh, if you have questions or comments for the show, Pac Twelve Podcast at gmail.com is our email, or call or text us at four two four five three two zero six seven eight. We got to hear from uh, the Zodiac Killer, but we got. I think we got a voicemail from Perk in there. A lot of emails we got to get to, too. You can tweet us at Pac-12Podcast and the website, Pac-12Podcast.com. Uh, the Apple Podcasting app is still there. We're still looking for reviews, still begging you guys for them. I don't even know why, but I think they're pretty cool. Did they're we fun. Get- we have a new one. Oh, cool. Okay. This is from DRB in the Valley, a five-star review. Uh, Parallel Universes. I've been listening to this podcast for about five years and have no excuse for taking so long to review this fun podcast. 
I'm a big USC and uscfootball.com fan, so love what Ryan does, and have come to overlook the lefty historical bias and anti-corporate takes from Dave. He won me over with his mascot sound imitations of non-Pac-12 teams in the recap slash previews. And Dave's frequent cynical takes are often sadly right. Yes, modern college football was the love child of ESPN and Fox. This year, I've noticed a distinct parallel universe between the fates of the Pac-12 and the fates of the podcast of champions, both with unexpected peaks right before the fall into oblivion. Great job, guys, and actually hoping for a reincarnated podcast of champions in Big Ten country. Sent you a separate note about that. Great chemistry between our hosts and a fun listen. What a very nice review. That was very nice. Like, you know, he likes USC. The mascot noises are always the gateway drug into leftist (laughs) politics. I hope you know that, DRB. You're coming over. He doesn't like your politics, but he he finds what he likes about you and and talks about that. That was very nice. Um, And that's not easy to do, find stuff you like about you. No, it is not. Uh, all right, quick kind of newsy stuff. Um, did you see Ross Dellinger had a piece on the Pac-2? I did. In the Mountain West. I they did. have like a relegation thing. Yeah, baby. It actually made a lot of sense. Clearly, where, clearly big listeners of the podcast champions. So we'd have to, you need eight, two, basically two eight-team leagues. So they would add, add a couple to what they have with Oregon State, Washington State. And then you would have like the eight in the, whatever the top one was and, and the eight in the bottom. And I think one thing that was maybe glanced over in the story, like, cause you do have to get a media rights deal and you're going to make more right. if you're in the A league than the B league, which that's tough for athletic departments, but you might get more. And, and the fact that the schedule could change all year, like, Oh, we're going to have six versus seven play and the loser gets relegated. And the, and the number eight teams already relegated. Right. But I think the ratings for those games, like the crappy games between like the top teams in the B league, would get a higher rating, and I feel like you could make even more money by doing this. By like, do you care at the end of the season if Cal is playing Arizona State, and it doesn't really matter? Well, it could matter. ESPN, Fox, whoever would want to pick that up because it means relegation or promotion. And I feel like that could be. It's going to be hard, but man, it made a lot of sense to be reading that piece. Very cool, and also I think it um, sets it up as a, a proof of concept. You know, how they sometimes like test rules in lesser leagues before they bring them up to the majors. Yeah. Like, look, we've both talked about how we don't necessarily think the state of college football is in any way stable. Like, whatever this new alignment is, it's not going to be the final alignment. It would be very cool if the Mountain West or whatever it is, um, whatever they end up calling it creates this kind of proof of concept for a relegation system because look would it be preferred for me relegation over the old conference system with regional conferences that make sense no but in a professionalized environment where things are suddenly you know got this veneer of uh you know trying to be a pro league but still not quite a pro league relegation would make things fun again uh in a system that i think is going to increasingly be unfun uh when there's these two super leagues so if you can create a proof of concept with this mountain west then maybe that next alignment can include something like this. Yeah, I think like the pitch count or whatever the uh, for like Major League Baseball wasn't wasn't they trying that in the minor leagues? There's been things like that have been happening. Yeah, because if it does end up being one big super league and you be you get a commissioner and there's 30 teams in the main league and 30 teams in the bottom league and there's you know that could be really fun. Where you it doesn't the playoff isn't the only thing that matters. It's getting up to the top and there's questions about. Olympic sports and how that all works. But man, this would be something that would be interesting because there's still value. Like we talked about a million times, there's value in the PAC 12 entity. Uh, there's, you know, I think in the the article I estimated like $40 million in reserves. 
whatever the Pac-12 network's worth and that infrastructure, uh, the NCAA units, and then potentially keeping a link to the college football playoff and that payout and, and you know, the automatic qualifier status, all that kind of stuff. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But hopefully we see that happen. Agreed. Um, did you know what the most watched game over the weekend was? Colorado State, Colorado. Crazy. 9.3 yeah. million people watched that thing. Yeah. I, I it think, was a good game. I well, mean, it was a close game. But So, yeah. like, several points here. Um, there was so much conflation over the last five years, especially, with the decline of the Pac-12 and then these, like, inherent beliefs and truths about time slots and all this kind of stuff that I think quickly falls on its face when you see, okay, Colorado's exciting and they're pretty good. And suddenly that results in this huge rating. Um, if, you know, again, not to blame so much on USC, UCLA, Washington, all these other schools, but if these schools had been good and playing at 730, people would have been watching like the 730 ESPN game when it's a top five USC versus, you know, scuffling USC under Clay Helton. Um, I think so much of this like narrative about the Pac-12 was simply an indictment of uh, athletic directors making terrible decisions to hire and then not fire bad coaches. Um, and, you know, when you see immediately, uh, like it, it's not even a, it wasn't even supposed to be a good game. Like Colorado was favored by three touchdowns. Uh, and yes, it ended up being this back and forth affair, but there was a baked in audience because Colorado's good and they're fun and exciting. And the head coach understands media and understands the importance of media hype and getting people amped up for a game and getting people excited about it. And yeah, there's some people who really don't like the kind of carny energy that he brings, uh, but it plays. Um, and some of that is, again, him being one of the most famous athletes to ever play a sport. But the other part of it is he himself brings that hype. He brings that energy. And I think more coaches could learn something from that. It is part of the job to be a showman, to be the front man of your program and not uh, to have poop running down your leg from a overfilled diaper <laughs> like Lincoln Riley. <laughs> nice. Uh, did you want to talk Was about that? Was that a good segue? You can talk about that. Did you like that segue? About, yeah, yeah. Um, Lincoln Riley this week, uh, he, uh, he banned a reporter from practice for two weeks because that reporter, uh, I, I, will, I will try to describe this as fairly as possible yeah. while not uh, just repeating the company line violated several very stupid rules from USC um, and then ultimately wrote a absolute innocuous puff piece notebook that included an anecdote that he observed. So just to let everyone know how media works at these practices, you're allowed in for X number of minutes. It's not very long. And then there's a media availability period where you talk to the players. They'll come up and then you'll talk to them. There's this period of time where they're coming up or they're waiting to the side before uh, everything starts rolling, but they're in front of the media. They're in front of the assembled gaggle of media. They're in front of a bunch of people who write for a living about that team. Whatever they say is fair game. Now, apparently at USC, there's a rule against that. Arcane, stupid, Byzantine. Uh, this guy uh, wrote a puff piece where he said uh, Quentin Joyner was asking before the media scrum, hey, uh, did, did they tell you what to say? Basically, just trying to indicate he's a freshman. Just trying to indicate speaking. he's a freshman who's yeah. nervous speaking. It was it was what you are taught how to write is something to humanize the subject, something to provide an anecdotal lead, not to just go into his dad says he's really shy, but instead Here's an example. Here's what I talked to about. It's 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 a 
for what it is, it's a well-crafted, you know, seamless notebook. Uh, it got him banned from practice for two weeks because Lincoln Riley is a big baby with a lot of stupid rules. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of the rules were there too um, before. the. So I was I was in Catalina and I get back to this. And I'm like, this seems a little crazy. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, he's been, I would say in general, he's been pretty good. A lot better than what I've heard from people at Oklahoma when it was there. This one I don't quite get uh knowing that the reporter in question had broken a lot of the dumb rules that david you know doesn't like there's some right. of the stuff that you're, you're, you're not so supposed there's to do some that. stuff there's Especially some when we're following it and then you see someone do it you're like why the heck is that guy well, doing so that? th- that's, that's happened a few times and then you're like okay so i think this was sort of like a final hey we've told you not to do this or blah 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 that, that's my guess granted um and this is another thing where i'm getting more into like um because I think a lot of the angle the the general media people are taking is, oh, he just violated some rules. You know, uh, he should get a slap on the wrist or whatever. No, the rules themselves are stupid. Um, <laughs> like, so there, there was one that they cited that he tweeted out guys on bikes at practice, right? That they were the injured doing their like, right. do they we're do not th- supposed to talk about guys that are injured or whatever, unless sure, sure, the sure. head coach. How long, it. how long are they giving you in practice now? We get like 20 minutes to watch the beginning. Okay, so you get 20 minutes of watching that guy's stretch and then uh, some individual and do like, nothing. Drills. They'll do some individual drills. Here's like, my point. Yeah. If you're going to be that, which is what UCLA is, right? We only get 15 minutes and it's basically nothing but individual drills. Just close it. If you're going to then have increasingly draconian rules on top of you only get 15 to 20 minutes of stretching, just close the practice. But if you are a reporter, your job is to report. Your job is to, you know, say these things. It's not to be the stenographer for the program. And so either allow them in and let them report whatever's in there or don't allow them in. Uh, But you got to pick one or the other. You can't just like have these increasingly arbitrary rules that probably change from season to season because that's the way it always works with these guys who are kind of these Martinet dilettantes uh, (laughs) where they just are like, oh, no, no, no. But that thing pissed me off that year. So I'm going to change it. And also, like, whenever a coach uh, starts doing this, where they're overly focused on media stuff, it's generally not a good sign. It's generally a sign that, that these true, guys yeah. are way off the mark in what they're focusing on. It's happened a ton of times at UCLA where suddenly Carl Durrell, Rick Neuheisel, Jim Mora get super invested in what you're reporting and all this kind of stuff. They start increasing the rules, changing the d- d- dynamics for media access, and it's because they're going crazy. They're going insane. They're paranoid. They're feeling too much pressure. Yeah. It's not good. Um so generally, it's stupid. In this specific instance, he's being a big baby who needs his diaper changed. At UCLA, if there's like re- injured players can, and you see them, are you allowed to report that or no? Yeah. Anything we see in the, again, like 12 to 15 minutes we have access to, yeah. we can report anything. Uh, if it's a coach yelling at the players, we can report it. If it's players getting injured literally in the time we're viewing, we can report it. Okay. If it's guys we see walking around who don't have their pads on, we can report it. We can only be in there for 12 to 15 minutes, which I think is its own set of stupid things. I I truly think all these teams should have full access because if you gave us full access, you could create some rules. You could create some rules like don't 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 tweet about formations. Don't tweet Scheme about specific plays. Like yeah, don't yeah. tweet about new injuries that you see, that sort of stuff. Um, but the the rest that this this thing where you all deny so much access to like 15 or 20 minutes and then you create this entirely new set of rules on top of that it's stupid it's self-defeating 
The only reason it's working for Lincoln Riley right now is because they're winning. As soon as they stop winning, if that happens, everyone's going to hate it. But you you out there uh, you're sycophantically uh, defending it, you can go ahead and do that. But it's uh, only because he's winning that you want to do that. Yeah, I think for us, I mean, I just we want to be able to create content, you know, so just sort of just like, all right, don't really like this rule, but I can still shoot photos and video in the beginning of practice. So I'd rather watch it than not watch it and not, re- you know, say, well, we're not unless we can report on it, we're not going to see it. Um, so it's sort of like you're just trying to get as much content out of it as you can because that's what our jobs are yeah um, and it it's just you know it's continuing uh make nobody wants to hear this there's a bunch of whining media yeah. whining but it it just makes it makes a job harder that in theory is entirely designed to improve your understanding of the game all right uh let's go survivor pool uh a lot of fun this past week so david and i both picked uh what did we pick california we both picked sturdy golden bear yeah they were the most people so we had um, 277 people went into week three, only 113 of them survived. Uh, pretty crazy. Um, he wants us to mention, so thanks again to Matthew for composing all this stuff. Uh, can you mention for people not to submit picks if you're not in the pool or you never entered? So don't enter the pool if you weren't in the last few weeks. If you haven't picked correctly three weeks in a row, don't enter again. It makes it harder for him to uh, compile everything. But yeah, people that won of the 113, most people had Cal. Slightly behind that, Arizona. Um, then some. we had some Colorado, some Washington State, a few UCLA's, a few Oregon states. Uh, we had a couple Utah's and an Oregon. Someone took Oregon against a, a really patsy team. Okay. Uh, but at least they survived because the losers, 142 of them, uh, 138 took Stanford and four took Arizona State. Yeah. Never get too clever. Get clever, but never too clever. That's a lot of clever. And uh, 22 people did not pick. So, yeah. um, you're. I mean, I don't know. Would you rather be a non-pick or Stanford? What would you? <laughs> I would I would rather be a non-pick. I would rather have forgotten than uh, tried, to, tried to believe in Stanford. Yeah. Matthew. Never just, believe in Stanford. That's Matthew a first mistake. Pick Stanford. Uh, he's a Stanford fan. He says, before going into the details, I just want to say, and he gives the F word all spelled out for you. Um, yeah. So thank you, Matthew, for composing on that. Please enter your picks for uh, week four. And David and I are both going with Arizona. Indeed. This week. Indeed. Um, all right. We should do some game recaps, right? We should do some game recaps. So we're going to, so this is David's power rankings once again. <laughs> It All moves right. around a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in, but I've just been kind of going with it. If I now, you didn't write this in the doc, but I remember if your tweet was correct, you said number seventy-five. Yes, Stanford Cardinal. There's only twelve. I believe teams. they were seventy-two. Seventy-two. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to go too harsh yet. And this is actually a battle between number fifteen Arizona State and number seventy-two Stanford because one <laughs> lost to an FCS, the other one got shut out at home. That was really hard for me to do. Um, I actually kind of think Arizona State's worse, but Stanford—you can't lose to a lower division school. You just can't. Uh, which was what Stanford did. They lost to Sac State. Um, yeah, it was a neck and neck game. wasn't lucky. wasn't lucky by any means. Uh, Sac State just beat that ass. Um, uh yeah Stanford's quarterback situation is a nightmare um they can run the ball okay but their quarterback situation is not good defense isn't great Sac State's pretty good uh they won 30 to 23 um it was neck and neck the whole way it was 17 14 Sac State at half 
it wasn't like some grand comeback. It wasn't like they jumped out to a huge lead and then just held on. They just were the fundamentally better team for four friggin' quarters. And what a what a perfect encapsulation of what Troy Taylor has to do there now. Because you see the program he built, just beat his own ass yeah. at Stanford. He, he has such a mountain to climb there. Um, and it's going to be a painstaking process with their transfer portal rules. Um, you know, you can see glimpses. You can see glimpses against Hawaii. You can see glimpses. But, man, it's going to take a lot of work to get them back to respectability. There wasn't even a line on this game in Sac State 1. Uh, yeah, there was eventually a line. Uh, ESPN had it uh, like the morning of the game at Stanford minus six or something like that, minus wow. six and a half. So we would have taken Sacramento State plus. No doubt. Yeah. Oh, God, no. That you, were, been, you had them to win. Yeah, if that had been money line, it would have been Sac State's Yeah, for sure. Tons of value there. Justin Lampson, uh, you know, he was like a quarterback at Syracuse a pretty crappy team and couldn't see the field and he's starting for Stanford. That's not good. Seven of 1738 yards and a pick. Ben Urosik, one of the top players on the team didn't have a catch for the first time in his career. And a uh, Sac state wins on a last minute touchdown. Not a good look for Stanford. Now look at, you know, the pac 12 at least is doing good everywhere else, but we weren't sure if there was going to be like a top half or a bottom half, but there's a, there's a bottom two. There's a bottom rug. There's it's like the pack two for like, or, you know, the only two teams left, the only two teams that are garbage. Stanford right has come by, honestly, I will say for ASU, which we'll get to next, the injury situation is ridiculous. I do think there's some other systemic issues that Kenny Dillingham hopefully started to correct this week. Uh, but we'll get to them right now. But, All right. Yeah. Number 15 in our 12 team pool. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Big big jump up from Stanford from mm-hmm. seventy two to fifteen. ASU lost twenty nine nothing uh, to Ooh. Fresno State um, on the road. Wasn't that close? I'll say. No. Was it on the road? At no, least? no, no. They didn't, go was, to, they didn't go to Fresno for this. This was in Tempe. Oh, um, that's worse. How many quarterbacks? Okay, first, um, how many quarterbacks played in this game? Uh, I'm going to give you the over under at three and a half. I'll take the under. Was one of them Jaden Rashada? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Jaden Rashada had a pregame injury uh, sometime during the week. Uh, speaking of rules, speaking of stupid rules, uh, ASU has full access to practice, but they can't report any injuries. Not even if a guy comes into the week, like from the game, newly injured on the Monday, they can't report it. And so we didn't hear this until Saturday. Uh, anyway, uh, Jaden Rashada was unavailable for the game. And we got treated to uh, Trenton Borgay and Drew Pine both going down with new injuries in the game while also playing terribly. Uh, they each threw a pick. Uh, Drew Pine threw two. And then we saw fourth string quarterback Jacob Conover come in. Uh, and he also threw two picks. Uh, arguably the worst showing from quarterbacks in uh, in ever. But in addition to the two picks that Drew Pine threw, he also fumbled twice and lost them both. Oh, there were eight total turnovers for ASU in this game. That's a lot of turnovers. They turned it over eight <laughs> times. Uh, their their quarterback situation was thirty seven attempts for one hundred and eighty eight yards, and their running game was twenty seven carries for forty two yards. Arguably the most inept offensive performance I've ever seen. And we watched Colorado all of last year. This team, as it's presently constituted, would struggle to beat twenty twenty two Colorado. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arizona State 
in a lot of trouble. So this week, what I was alluding to, and we'll get to this maybe more in the preview for uh, USC, but that's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Kenny Dillingham took over play calling duties from offensive coordinator Bo Baldwin, who I uh, I think I mentioned on the show. Completely stupid that Dillingham uh, hired an offensive coordinator to run an offense and call plays. Like, what does he think he was hired to do? Did they like his management skills as a 32-year-old? No. No, they liked the offense that he ran at three previous stops, including most famously at Oregon, where he turned yeah. uh, Bo Nix, who has suddenly reverted back to looking like Auburn Bo Nix, uh, into a guy who was hyped as a Heisman contender this year. He did that with his offense and his play calling. And then he decided to give that up in favor of Cal's, one of Cal's worst <laughs> offensive coordinators. What are we doing? Um, anyway, uh, it was just by virtue of Fresno State not being able to finish drives that this was not 45, a lot worse. 45 to nothing. Yeah. yeah. Five picks, three fumbles lost. I mean, insane. 104 yards of offense and four turnovers in the first half was pretty crazy playing three quarterbacks, like you mentioned. Um, this was the first Arizona State home shutout since uh, 1988. It was 50 to nothing to USC. Their last regular shutout, I think, was another USC one, but that was in the Coliseum. But uh, not good to be home shutout by a group of five team, not even a That's not fight. good? That's not That's good. That's bad? Yeah. You don't, so, think that, you don't think that works out for you? So I think number 15 is fair. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they're going to be fighting for the last spot. I guess they're getting some guys healthy. A lot of offensive linemen were hurt. I mean, they're they're getting some guys back. Drew Pine practiced this well, week. And here's the game for this year. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, there's no ASU-Stanford matchup. Will either of these teams get a second win this year? Ooh. That's the big question. So we're not – no one's in danger of going over. Like, those are fun years. We're not yeah. having that. But right? we could have a one for – we could have a one in 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our let's see. Let's go to our number ten team, California Golden Bears. <laughs> okay. So you look at the final score for this one, thirty-one seventeen over Idaho, and you're like, oh, ho hum. Idaho's a pretty good FCS. That's okay. Surely. Oh, oh, oh by the way, Rook, we both had Fresno uh, minus three. Yeah. And won that one. Sorry about that. Yeah. Surely, surely Cal controlled this game from the from the jump, right? Surely, it, it, surely it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. 17 nothing Idaho at one point. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, howdy. Uh, Cal was making this look stupid for a really long time. They really can't throw the ball. They've got some major issues there. Luckily, they can run it, uh, even without um, I- even without uh, Jay Knott in this game. Isaiah Ifansi, uh was great, 22 carries for 137 yards, and they needed every bit of it. Uh, defensively, uh, yeah. It was okay uh, after a while. Um, they they didn't allow Idaho to be too efficient, especially after uh, halftime. But man, oh man, this was dangerous for a long time. Um, and Cal is a little bit lucky to walk away with a uh, seemingly comfortable win. Yeah, seventeen nothing. Then they go thirty one unanswered. That's good at least. Didn't give up any more points. Sure. Uh, they've won the turnover margin every game this year. So will that continue? But there are plus three turnovers in this one. That certainly helped with the 31. Oh, uh, somebody has the question. When did Idaho move down? They're not FPS anymore. They do this all the time. Idaho's always bouncing between FCS and FBS. It's impossible to know when it's going to happen. Right now, they're FCS. But it's like, um, they're like, uh, what is it, like an electron? 
where they can be in two different points. Oh, it's like a, a, a ray of light can be both a, I don't know. I don't know my physics. You know the thing? Uh, can be both a, 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 a uh, whatever a particle, yeah, a particle and a and a and a <laughs> beam. I don't know. <laughs> I forget. You know, sorry, I was just pulling up the. Co- I forgot that I put up the yeah, comments. It would have been really. It would have been really good if I had that. You know. Yeah. But I didn't. Yeah. OC OC bodybuilders want to know when did Idaho move down. That's what I was answering. Yeah. Jeez. No, I'm just saying. I'm. I, once you put that, I forgot to put the. Uh, I got you're so, you're firing on all cylinders is what I'm hearing. Hey man, right I just there. got I was like sleeping in a tent the last couple yeah, of nights. Yeah. Boom, and I'm back. Uh, back wave and a particle. Thank you. A wave and a particle. God, I sounded so stupid there for a little bit. You did. Uh, Wouldn't be the first Ot, time. Okay, Ott didn't play in this game, so this first time he didn't play in his career. So, um, yeah, little a few little notes there for yeah. w- with Cal. Yeah, I should have just gone with Schrodinger's cat. That would have been the way to go with Texas Mike. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He put Idaho's both alive and dead at all times. Scott Meredith, uh, wave particle duality. Yeah, it's the wave particle duality. Nice. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, there was another other good comments that I missed. I'll go back and look when uh, Dave's rambling on about something else. Uh, let's see. Damn. Anything else on Cal? No, I, I don't want to talk about that anymore. No line on that one. Uh, next up, we have our number nine team, Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> Arizona's just the exact same team they were last year. It's kind of comforting. Yeah. Like, everyone else got different. Arizona stayed the exact same. You got uh, a good Delora. You got a de- good Delora, a bad, bad Delora. Delora. It just kind of depends. It doesn't really matter who the opponent is. It's just kind of how he's feeling that day. Uh, apparently, he's still uh, under investigation for uh, the, 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 the sexual, sexual assault. Or yeah. at least, not but, under investigation, but the settlement has been reopened. Yeah, they, so, I guess some judge said it was not. Uh, just threw it out. So there's more. I tried to read the article and it just didn't tell you what was going on in the beginning. It just gave all these details. I'm like, I don't know what it's like. I, I got more from the tweet than I did the article. Like, sounds bad. Uh, he sounds, sound he good. sounds like a not great dude, or at least he didn't do some very good things. Um, and so we wish ill for him. Uh, but in this game, he was pretty good. Um, UTEP, uh, not very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Arizona eventually kind of pulled away, but it was sort of lackluster, sort of ho-hum. Um, their defense, I would say this, Arizona's defense looks slightly better. Oh, see, Bodybuilder said AZ defense is better this year. Yeah. It's a little better. That's about all I'd say at this point. I would say the, uh, the offense is roughly the same and the defense is slightly better. Yeah. Uh, basically the same team. I like it. Uh, this was an 18 point spread. We took, uh, Arizona, got it. They covered. Um, I don't know if you saw T Mac. He had that ridiculous one-handed uh, grab. Uh, that was cool. Um, yeah, he's a really good player. Delora, no picks. You know, after turning the ball over fifty times last week, um, three of the TD, TD drives went seventy-plus yards. So I thought that was uh, impressive what Arizona did. But they're they're capable of putting up, you know, a good showing. And I think with a you know a, a better, a little bit better defense. You might be able to knock off some of those teams in the Pac-12, but you need a good Delora. You need a good offensive side of the ball for Arizona, and that's probably going to be an every other week thing. This isn't good for us that we're picking Arizona in the survival pool like next week because oh, Arizona uh, had their good. They week. could absolutely be Stanford's uh, only conference win this year. It could absolutely happen. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So yeah, so Sun Devils. I mean, I mean, sorry, Sun Devils. The, the for the Wildcats, like I still think there's. You feel a lot better about them than the, the Sun Devils. You, I mean, there's, there's still upside. Like we have them in number nine, but they definitely could beat some teams. But yep. you're gonna have to play, you know, play a little bit better. Yep. All right. Weird one. Number eight. 
Colorado Buffaloes. This is one where we've kind of, we're kind of, I, I don't know if this is right for Colorado, um, but it certainly looked right based on their play on Saturday and yeah. uh, the likelihood of Travis Hunter being out for several weeks. Yeah. Uh, Colorado but, eventually won. So there's, let's lead with that. They won in double overtime over Colorado State, 43-35. Um, huge part of that was Jay Norvell turtling uh, for Colorado State, going prevent, um, just being super soft at the end of the game. Colorado State was the better team for three and a half quarters. About that. Um, more physical, uh, better able to efficiently move the offense. Um, defensively, they had some beastly plays. Uh, they were getting after Shadur. Um, and really, and this is maybe the most shocking thing for Colorado. I mean, not shocking because we all watched last year, but still line play. Colorado State dominated both lines for most of this game. And it was only when Norvell inexplicably kind of called off the dogs late in this game uh, because he's from the Carl Durrell school uh, that Colorado was able to come back in this one. Uh, but Colorado State came out just hair on fire. Um, there was the huge hit uh, from Henry Blackburn on Travis Hunter, which was clearly like one of those statement hits, like we're doing this. I don't think he intended to whatever, whatever I ended up doing to him. Uh, I think somebody reported it was a lacerated liver. But he was intending to hit him, like hit him hard, too, because it was like one of those, we're going to set the tone, like a tone-setting hit. Uh, but there was a lot of that, and they got a bunch of penalties because of it. Um, but I think it it kind of rattled Colorado. They looked shook uh, for much of this game, and their offensive line really struggled to block, really, really struggled to pass block and run block. Um, for basically the third straight game, Colorado really couldn't run the ball traditionally, Um now, all of that kind of was pretext. Uh, and also, Colorado State has some, like, NFL guys. Like, two of their uh, – one, their receiver and their tight end are both like, wow, okay. Uh, but Colorado, uh, once they came out of halftime and they got in a little bit more of a rhythm with, um, again, Norvell calling off the dogs, Sanders can really throw. Um, and when he had just a little bit of time, he could suddenly start making some throws downfield. His receivers stopped dropping every single ball that hit them in the hands, which was important. You need so if you have a receiver, their job is to catch the ball with their two hands. You know, you know this. I was aware? I was told this. Right, I read it in a book. What once. they were doing instead was the ball would hit them like literally right here, and they would go, "No, I don't want it." <laughs> And they, and they did that for a long time in this game. And it was probably a frustrating experience because it's like, well, d do they not understand that they're supposed to they're supposed to grab it, not hit it back? It's not volleyball. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they did start grabbing it instead. Um, and that was a big key for Colorado. But they were lucky to win this. Um, this was a game where it looked like Colorado State had it firmly in control. I know it was only 21-14, but it looked like they were going to dominate the second half and then Jay Norvell helped uh, Colorado back into it yeah we both got this one wrong we took Colorado minus 23 and a half um didn't help when Travis Hunter had to go to the hospital there but it was late in the game and Colorado was down 11 you know like this wasn't like this was like certainly could have lost this one and like you said I thought Norvell didn't do himself any favors uh, down the stretch but they got a field goal and that touchdown with a two-point conversion um it was just so, it, it, I mean, yeah, in the ahead. final minute, like that was, it was crazy. Like that needed to happen. Otherwise Colorado's not winning this game. And, you know, we were looking for like this huge cover and like they barely won. And so are they going to look that bad against Oregon this weekend? I don't know. We'll see. But 
that was not encouraging if you're if you're thinking you know the Colorado is going to make this huge run in the Pac-12. One thing everyone missed with Colorado State, or not everyone, but at least our dumbasses, is that they changed quarterbacks against Washington State, and this was the quarterback they changed to, and he's also the one who scored those last three touchdowns against Washington State. Okay, in like that fourth quarter. So we thought junk time doesn't really matter. He he's a he's a player. He's good. Like their quarterback is a player. Um. So I think Colorado State's going to finish the year a lot better than they looked in the first game against Washington State. All right. Uh, let's go to our number seven team, Utah Utes. Yeah, this is all kind of stupid and insane. It's really just a function of the number of injuries that Utah has. Um, they just haven't looked great. Um, and it's so on one hand. It's amazing that they are where they are. They've won two games against Power 5 opponents, including going on the road against Baylor. But on the other hand, they don't look dominant. I mean, against Weber State, it was 17-7 at the half. They finished 31-7. But this was not a, you know, they they cruised to a 28 nothing and then held on, you know, just playing backups. They, they had to fight for this one a little bit. Nate Johnson got the start at quarterback. So, again, we didn't see Cam rising. Uh, and he was okay. Uh, he runs the ball really, really well. I would say throwing it is still kind of an adventure. I think uh, Kyle Whittingham said they've got about 50% of the offense installed for him. Uh, it's not the full gamut because there's just, you know, how much do you give him? Uh, but he was okay. Um, they ran the ball really, really well. Uh, and I think that was maybe the big takeaway. Weber State's no slouch. They're a pretty good FCS. Um, and defensively, I would say Utah is, considering the number of guys they're down, and have been down at different points this year. Uh, it's astounding what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, Cole Bishop's a he's he's just phenomenal, um, and he's everywhere. He's he's leading the team at safety in tackles for loss. Uh, just yeah, stunning player. Uh, you have to mark him every time he's on the field, uh, and he's on the field all the time. Um, and then their defensive line, without Junior Tafuna, without Connor O'Toole, has been really, really solid. Really, really solid. Now, I think the the competition steps up this week. They have to play an offense that has a pulse, unlike whatever you saw from Florida, Baylor, and Weber State. But I, I think that linebacker play translates, especially now they they got Reed back, um, and they've got a they've got a good safety tandem. And they've got really good uh, defensive line play. So I think that's going to be a fun battle. But Utah won thirty one seven. I think if you were a Utah fan saying. We're going to be down 16 contributors at some at various points in this first three game stretch, and you said you're going to be three and zero. Might not look pretty, but you're going to be three and zero. You'd take in a heartbeat. Yeah, uh, we had uh, Pac-12 Pilgrim said Weaver State had 128 yards. Um, that's not not a whole lot there. Did nope. you know the coach of Weaver State is named Mickey Mental? Mickey Mental. <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> How cool is that? That's awesome. <laughs> uh, no line in this game, so we didn't uh, pick. But like you said. No Brent Keefe, no Cam Rising. I don't know when these guys are coming back. We just never hear anything. I and mean, we don't know anything about what's going on in Utah. Just like, are they going to trot out a bunch of backups against UCLA? My, or is my read back? on it, and we'll get to this maybe a little bit more in the preview. My read on it is Tafuna will be back. I think he was sitting as a precautionary measure, and it's okay. FCS. Who cares? Uh, I think Connor O'Toole is either back this week or the next week. Um, he's their big defensive end who was supposed to have a breakout year this year. I think he's going to be back. Maybe not 100%, maybe not playing a ton, but back. The the, the one is rising. I I kind of think you you either bring him back this week and he's a full 100% and you go with it, or you sit him another two weeks and go past Oregon State before you bring him back. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Did you know that Utah got a pick six? Mm-hmm. They've had a pick six 
And that was to close the game out. It was 24 to 7, I think. Yeah. In uh, 20 straight seasons. That's the longest streak in FBS. Yeah. Utah. Not bad for the Utes. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Washington State Cougars. This one also feels wrong. Like, and this is where we get into, like, again, the top eight in this league. It's just impossible to rank them because Washington State, what have they done that's been unimpressive this year? Everything's been impressive to me. Uh, they blew out Northern Colorado the way they're supposed to. Now, Northern Colorado is a terrible FCS. Like, that's a really bad FCS team. But they won 64-21, or, and nobody's complaining about that. Uh, I think the ending closing line was Washington State by 48, so technically they didn't cover, but come on. That's a huge number. Yeah. Uh, Cam Ward was, once again, uh, he looked really good. I mean, how much can you take away from Northern Colorado? But now this is three straight games where he's stacking – pretty good performances um so you know you start to believe in that a little bit um i don't know i think their offense is if not like for real is whatever a top 25 it's for real is like top 30 top 40 and uh i think that will translate to definitely a bull team and maybe quite a bit more yeah the offense looks much better uh you switch to the offensive coordinators that seemed to help a lot i mean i guess you had cam worms cat cam ward's college coach that didn't seem to work out very well uh, at least at the fbs level but uh it's working out now they were eight of ten on third downs which is pretty impressive uh converting 80 percent uh the fourth time in the pac-12 era that washington state's gained over 700 yards obviously a bunch of those leech teams did that and they did go 43 straight points to start the game so 43 nothing just getting out on a roll uh pretty quickly so um yeah i think Really impressive from Washington State. Obviously, going to get a real test this week. But, um, you know, they had a ranked team at home, beat them, uh, take a terrible FCS team, beat them. And, you know, now you're just going to go through and see how you do in, in conference play. And um, I don't th- I think they're going to be a dog in week one at home. But still, that's uh, I mean, this is speaking of dogs. This is I, what you've asked. I got to shout something out. Yeah. And uh, uh, Peter Sermon's other Nepo baby, Jacob Sermon. Uh, he's onto his third team, and he was the starter for Northern Colorado in this game. Oh, um, okay. If you remember, he was uh, one of the Jakes who was attempting to be a successor Jake to Jake Browning. Yes. Uh, at Washington, uh, he didn't end up getting the job there because again, nepo baby. Uh, but he ended up at the FCS level. Did he go to UCLA too, or where did he go? No, Colson Yankoff ended up at UCLA, oh. as did Ethan Garbers from that Washington team. Um, but mostly because neither of them were named Jake. Right. Jacob you Sermon. You have to be Jake. You have to be a Jake. Um, Dylan Morris, as we learned, is a Jake. He's Dylan Jacob Morris. Uh, and Jacob Sermon uh, is now uh, with the Northern Colorado. Oh, very cool. All right. Uh, all these teams are ranked, by the way. So we're going through all these teams. Uh, next up, we got number five. UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Again, uh, UCLA is pretty impossible to rank because who have they played? Uh, Coastal Carolina, who might be decent, San Diego State, who might be bad, and North Carolina Central, who's an FCS uh, from the HBCU level. Um, Dante Moore started, as everyone expected. Uh, Five quarterbacks played in this game. Um, Five? Yeah, Dante Moore started and played every meaningful snap, but every meaningful snap ended at uh, about three minutes to go in the first quarter. Uh, It was was (laughs) 35 to nothing at that point. Um, and frankly, he didn't even play all those snaps. Colin Schley came in after the third touchdown, I think. And, uh, then immediately, literally immediately on the first play took a zone read keeper for a touchdown. Uh, UCLA, I think had three different one play touchdown drives 
in this game. Uh, NC Central was just really overmatched. Uh, UCLA won 59-7. We don't really know a whole lot. UCLA's defense looks pretty good. UCLA's offense looks pretty good. Let's see them this week against Utah and test them then. Uh, makes sense. I got. I think I put a couple of notes here for that game. 404 rushing yards mm-hmm. is the most Chip Kelly's ever had at UCLA. That's a lot of rushing. Yeah. I'm, uh, all those kinds of stats. I mean, I'm just... Does it matter? Yeah, it's an FCS, man. Do you know 32 different Bruins made a tackle in this game? 101 different Bruins played. That's crazy. And a third of them made a tackle. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. All right, yeah. So not much to really learn about there. No line. Uh, nothing to bet for us. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 different Bruins got carries in this game. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got our number four team. Dropping all the way from number one. Blame David Woods for this. Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, because this is one where we they have, have lost, right? we have some contextual items now. Okay. Uh, because San Diego State we've seen against the uh, against UCLA earlier True. this year. Plus so, they didn't cover, so screw them. Yeah, we, and we also picked them to cover. We also saw cover. San Jose State lose by like a million to what was it Tulsa, some crap like that. Yeah. Um. So a little less impressive there, but. Oregon State won 26 to 9. Um, the defense is legit. It's very good. They still allowed a little bit more than they probably should have against San Diego State. We all saw Jalen Maiden um, looking like a safety playing quarterback against UCLA. And he looked a little bit more like a quarterback in this one, which I think is a product of Oregon State not necessarily doing enough to confuse him. My big concern from this one is uh, now having seen DJU against a real ish defense. He's the same guy he was at Clemson. Same guy. As soon as there was a pass rush, he got happy feet. He threw the ball too quickly. Didn't let plays develop. Uh, locked on to receivers. Uh, threw two picks. Looked bad. He looked bad in this game. Uh, looked much more confused against that 3-3-5 than true freshman Dante Moore looked the previous week for UCLA. Not good. Um, and that would be my big alarms ringing if I'm a Beavers fan is having watched DJU in that game. I think Oregon State would have been better served just completely leaning on its running game in this one. Um, I don't know if Damian Martinez was a little nicked up. We saw a lot more Deshaun Fenwick than I was expecting. Um, They ran the ball really well, uh, average six yards a carry, but DJU was super inefficient. He hit a few explosive plays, but man, oh man, I'd be concerned thinking about him going against Pac-12 defenses that are going to be more geared up to stop him. Yeah, it was. Uh, they had some drives going early, and then they ended up kicking field goals. Like he wasn't, he just wasn't putting it together. You know, um, they had a couple of slow. You know, the, the start. I mean, they 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 got some first downs, but they just weren't able to like like a good team is like okay, you cross midfield. And you keep rolling in. And then it seemed to like really struggle when things happen. One there. of their only touchdowns was that uh, tackle eligible play where they had to do yes. like a fake to the right. And then DJU threw back across his body. It was left tackle who ran it in. Uh, well, actually, it ended up being a it was a, a run, run, a run. And he threw a, it backwards. It, it, was, it, yeah, uh, it was a backwards lateral. Josh Gray. Yeah, so that was that was the first touchdown. Yeah. Um, so that was first half. You thought they'd kind of get rolling a little bit. We we both picked them to cover the 24 and a half. They did not. Um, did you know? I got a little bad vibes from the very beginning. San Diego State's kicker, who I think they missed a couple field goals early too. Uh, Jack Browning is his, the kicker's name. Yeah, it's bad news. I just knew that wasn't good. Uh, David Martinez did get his hundred uh, ninth straight hundred yard rushing game, so congrats to him. But yeah, they didn't look great. 
And if you don't, co- if we pick you to cover a big spread and you don't, we're going to ding you. Yeah, so no, the, I have no problem dropping them to four. I'll, I'll be honest; that's a big part of why I'm down on them right yeah. now. Yeah, we had them uh, number one. Drop it all the way to four. This was one of my stone cold locks from last week, and they did not fulfill because you just saw UCLA dismantle. Yeah, the and I figured Oregon State's better; they can do it. And but now I'm that was on the road. Yeah, OSU has them at home, and they don't cover. So yeah, sorry Beaver fans, uh, you, you, there's no defending not covering a big spread when we pick you. So yep. you will be punished, and you were. Uh, go sit in the corner. Um, <laughs> number three. Oregon Ducks. Speaking of covering big spreads, uh, Oregon did just that. 55 to 10 over Hawaii. They covered the spread by seven. Uh, so comfortable cover. Uh, yeah, what do you say about this? Hawaii's bad. We've now determined that definitively. Uh, any team that could lose to Stanford at home is terrible. Mm. Uh, and so this was sort of an expected result. Oregon did what it should do. It's basically an FCS opponent. How much can you take from this? Not much. Yeah, the fact that this was a there's actual spread on this one. Uh, we both took Oregon minus thirty seven half. They covered that was nice. Do you know how many turnovers Oregon has this season? How many? None. <laughs> Not a single turnover. That is uh, something that will self correct. And they are also on a three game losing streak to Hawaii. Are you kidding me? No, I. I when was the last time they played? I think it was a while. Okay. Yeah. But they hadn't beat Hawaii for a while. So. Did they only play at them when June Jones was the coach at Hawaii? <laughs> I think so. Uh, and I don't remember. That. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, pretty impressive. Put up a lot of numbers. Um, it's going to be a big game uh, this weekend. But, you know, Oregon yeah. did what you had to do. Uh, you got that. Our number two team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Washington also took care of its FCS this weekend. Uh, beat up on uh, some sort of directional Michigan or uh, it was a directional. Oh, Michigan, Michigan State, a team that has played in a playoff. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, this was forty-one nothing uh, after three quarters. Um, finished forty-one to seven. Phoenix really took down Mel Tucker's program mm. in a lot of ways. Yes, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he he was exceptional in this game. Uh, he threw for four touchdowns, 473 yards on 35 attempts. That's just ridiculous uh, on that volume to throw for that many yards is crazy. Um, they actually ran the ball okay in this one. Um, again, kind of a cast of thousands, but they did a pretty good job. Um, but defensively, I mean, they held Michigan State to 53 yards rushing on 27 carries. Uh, held them to a really inefficient throwing game. Um, it was a beatdown, massive beatdown on the road. They covered their spread by 18 points. Um, That's so a lot. It was a massive blowout. I think, um, you know, I was a little skeptical because of, you know, the, the running back injury, whether they'd be able to generate a running game. But again, if the passing game is that good, uh, you can run a little bit off of it. And do you really need a great running game if your passing game is that good? And their defense appears to be legit. So, I don't know. I mean, Washington, I think, uh, looks kind of every bit what people expected in terms of quality. But it's it's maybe even a little bit more than that so far this year. Yeah. Uh, really impressive, you know, road win. Yes, there's a lot going on. Uh, the rumors now that these they're going through the process of firing Mel Tucker. Uh, Dave, your, your rant about not you know, jerking off on the phone with people that you work with or whatever, like went over very well. People were uh, loving that one. Um, yeah, but they came in and dominated. It was 41 nothing. 
start this game. Pretty crazy. Michael Penix, 400 passing yards in every game this season. So he is putting up some big, 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 big numbers. Obviously got a great um, receiver core. Romaduze, 180 yards is his career high. Um, 713 yards is the most allowed in Michigan State history. Directional school Michigan, as you call them. Mm-hmm. They've never given up that many yards before. So pretty impressive uh, what... Uh, Washington was able to do easily covering the 16 point spread. So we got this one right. It was good to uh, put this one in the books early on. Uh, yeah. This was the Peacock game. Did you get Peacock? I, I got a free trial to watch that thing. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, impressive win there. And uh, they're up to our number two team. Our number one team, USC Trojans. Had a bye week and been a reporter from practice, so nothing. Yeah, changed. if I'd known that before I created my power rankings on Sunday, they would have been number two. Oh, just for that? No, I mean not because I think they're the second best team, but because that's a great encapsulation of what's running down Lincoln Riley's legs from his <laughs> overfilled diaper right now. Just <laughs> pee pee and poo poo dribbling had out. A series of tweets. I was like, oh my god, dude. Uh sweet. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and preview games and answer questions. Back in a minute, everybody. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Talking all things Pac-12 football. Uh, Again, we hit the break almost the exact same moment. 52 minutes. Pretty good. Uh, Love it. All right. We got to preview some games. We got six games. Pac-12 versus Pac-12. Boom. Head-to-head clashes. It's conference play, baby. I don't even know if this is a thing. And I got to look at my... I'm sure Greg, when he sends these out, I I haven't looked at his uh, pregame stats yet. Uh, News and notes. This is probably the first weekend ever. Three three ranked Pac-12 games. You know, three games between ranked Pac-12 teams are happening on the same weekend. It's got to be pretty close to the last first time ever. Because, like, it's hard to get six ranked teams, Yeah, let alone they all play each other. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. But we got a lot of good stuff. Um, there's only three windows, so you're, you have two screens for the whole day, and you should be good to go. Um, first up, uh, this one we have number 22. UCLA Bruins. And they're going to be on the road taking on number 11. Utah Utes. This is 12.30 p.m. on Big Fox. UCLA traveling to Salt Lake to take on the Utes, who are currently four-and-a-half-point favorites. This opened somewhere in the six to seven range uh, for Utah. It's moved towards UCLA uh, over the course of the week, I think, as injury uncertainty continues to play in. But I also think um, there's just, you know, uh, maybe some of the betting – some of the you know big wigs betting on UCLA early with that high, that bigger line. Um, this is a really interesting game for me. Uh, mm. I think if you if Utah was fully healthy, uh, I think it'd be a no doubter for Utah. Um, Cam Rising, Brant Keithy, Junior Tafuna. I mean, all these guys. If they were all you know, we know they're going to be available and healthy. Then it's a different deal. But we don't know that. And all we have to go on is what we've seen so far. And what we've seen out of Utah so far is a really good defense that's playing out of its mind considering the injuries they've had, but an offense that has scuffled at times, um, really dependent on a running game 
um, that, you know, is without Bernard, uh, who's one of the many guys who's injured him for the season. Um, and, you know, they've got a running back. They've got a running quarterback in Nate Johnson who can really make plays with his legs. They've got Jaquin and Jackson at running back who's, you know, a former quarterback who can really push a pile. I just don't know if they have the firepower to keep up with UCLA. I mean, there's so many interesting elements here because UCLA's offense looks very good to start the year and their defense looks pretty good. But it's also a true freshman, Dante Moore, going on the road in a real road environment for the first time. He played at San Diego State started that game, yeah. but it's going at Utah now. Rice Eccles, a really impossible place to play. I think there's a stat that Utah's won 26 of 27 at Rice Eccles, um, with the only one, I think, being, uh, was it USC one year? I think it was. Um, so Like 2020, I think. Yeah. yeah uh, so it was a weird pandemic year. Yeah, too. with fans, they've been undefeated for like a long time. Since they lost to like ranked Washington at the beginning of the 2018 season. Okay. Um so it's it's a it's it's the perfect time for UCLA to catch Utah. It is the perfect time to play them on the road. It's also a day game versus a night game, which matters at Rice Eccles. I'm taking UCLA plus four and a half. Nice. I don't know if I'm uh, taking them to win yet, but I'm definitely taking them plus four and a half. It's got just the measure of a close game to me and probably a defensive struggle. If it was like three. I was going to take Utah four and a half. I'm going to go UCLA as well. I'll go with you. It's tough. Utes at home. Maybe everybody comes back and they're all healthy and they just win by two touchdowns. UCLA. I, I mean, beat UCLA by two touchdowns. I don't know. But I feel like this could be a, a field goal kind of game. So getting that many points, if it was six or something, certainly would. Um, I've gone back and forth on this one too. It's tough to go against Utah at home, but you know, they could win on a last second field goal and win by a point and UCLA still covers. So I'll just take those points. Yeah. Since it's kind of close and I'm I not I think it's really going to sure. be a disgusting defensive battle. I think UCLA's defense is actually for real, especially in the ways that matter for Utah. The front seven's actually good. I think that will help to shut down Utah's running game and then is Nate Johnson equipped to take advantage of UCLA's deficiency, which is a cornerback? I don't know. EVS says, "Yay, Homer Dave has reemerged." <laughs> Uh, no, I think, and, and search says, yeah, 27, 24, but pick the winner. Yeah. I think it could be something close like that. So with, um, with, you know, with the points, with four and a half points, I'll take, uh, I'll take UCLA. I like the way they're playing, uh, and go with that. And, you know, full knowing that Cam Rising comes back, Brent Keefe comes back and it's just all, it, all hell breaks loose. All yeah. right. Also at 1230, uh, this one at ABC, we got number 19. Colorado Buffalo. Uh, on the road at number 10, Oregon Ducks. Yeah, it's another 1230 on ABC this time. Uh, Colorado traveling to Eugene uh, to take on the Ducks. Uh, Oregon's a 21-point favorite. This opened Oregon minus 19, um, which is where I got it, thankfully. Um, I think I still like Oregon. Yeah. Um, I, I So I think if you told me Travis Hunter was back... I might think about Colorado, but watching their defensive and offensive lines up close against um, Colorado State, it's just if you can't hold up against the G5 um, like that. And look, we don't know a whole lot about Nebraska and TCU. I mean, I think Nebraska is pretty bad. TCU, they got into a barn burner, but TCU was having no trouble scoring in that game. 
Um, and they were having no trouble getting after Shadir Sanders either. It's just, you know, they had a, I think um, there's a lot of kind of miracle offense going on for Colorado in that game. Uh, this one, yeah, I, I, I think Oregon's going to have uh, full control of this game uh, from, you know, start to finish. I wouldn't be surprised if they put a pasting on them. Yeah, this is tough because I, I can see Colorado going up there and keeping them. When you doubt them is when they're going to – they didn't perform against Colorado State when everyone was believing in them. But when you doubted them against TCU, they were right there. Um, this is going to be a tougher road environment. And I think the line play, not having Travis Hunter that was doing everything is one thing. But just watching the line play, it just wasn't – I think they're going to have some problems. So – I'm going to take the Ducks here, too. I don't feel really good about it, but I will take the Ducks. Uh, laying the 21 at home. I feel like this could be the final, you know, like. I don't think anything's final about Colorado's season. I no, think, no. I think they're going to lose this one, and I think they're going to have a great built-in, not excuse, but explanation for why it happened. Oh, we didn't have Travis Hunter. We didn't have our best playmaker on both sides of the ball. We fought valiantly. I think if they can end up covering, that'd be great for them. But a loss here, I don't think, ends anything for them. I think they're going to really... I think they're going to have a lot of energy for that USC game. I wouldn't be surprised if that one ends up being closer than people expect it to be because it's also at Boulder. Yeah, but, um, but this road one, and they got big new kickoff again. Yes, for USC at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. That, that one has uh, some very interesting feel to it. I got to change my flight because I was going to – I'm flying back on Saturday now since the game's at 9 in the morning. Yeah, so why not? Yeah, just come back. Um, okay, this is our pack 2 or Tupac or whatever you want to call it. Uh, game, bowl game, game of the century, the one game that's going to be played for the next hundred years that we know of. Uh, we've got number 14. Oregon State Beavers. And they're taking on, uh, on the road, number 21. Washington State Cougars. So this and the UCLA game I have is the best games of the day. And so obviously both of these are going to be blowouts. Uh, but Oregon <laughs> State at 4 p.m. on Big Fox traveling to Pullman to take on Washington State. Uh, Washington State's a three-point dog at home, um, which feels crazy to me uh, based on uh, what we've seen so far. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just shook by DJU last week. Uh, and maybe Washington State is not equipped to disrupt them the same way that San Diego State was. But I know Jake Dickert's a defensive guy at heart. I have to imagine he's going to have some complicated looks to throw at DJU. And I was not at all impressed with how he was able to diagnose and, and carve up that San Diego State defense. So I, I'm taking Washington State here. You're giving me three points. Why not? And I think I think they're going to win. Um, you know, it's at Pullman. I think they're going to be passionate about it. So, yeah, give me Wazoo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, they both have the same motivation of being like the left behind. Um, but Washington State's look better. And to be fair, we think of Oregon State struggling on the road. They looked good earlier in the year when they went on the road to San Jose State. Um, but San Jose State's terrible. They're pretty terrible. Um, I think Washington State's better, obviously. I, I yeah, Getting points at home in this one, it's just tough to to lay points with Oregon State on the road against a ranked team, against a team that you know is good, that looks like they're moving the ball down the field, that is playing tough defense. Um, yeah. I Would you be shocked if like Oregon State goes in there and win by 14? No. but I think if they keep it on the ground and just have DJU just like throw it in obvious play action situations or in the occasional first down just to like keep the defense honest and then run the ball almost the entire rest of the time, 
they could win that one, play a ball control game and just try to keep the ball away from Washington State's offense and then, you know, pound it. Um, and I, I'm I'm pretty convinced Jonathan Smith's a football genius, so I think he'll figure it out. But um, I was just so unimpressed with DJU last week that it's hard for me to pick him in a road environment against a good team. Yeah. Okay. Uh uh, let's see. So next up, we have so no more ranked teams. We just got some regular, regular games. We got Arizona Wildcats up on the farm taking on Stanford Cardinal. The lone Pac-12 Network game of the day. This is at 4 p.m. Uh, Arizona traveling to uh, Stanford. Uh, Stanford is a 12-point home dog. Um. Look, would I be stunned if Stanford somehow wins this game because Jaden Delora throws like five interceptions and just looks like a piece of shit? I would a be. Piece of shit? I would be stunned. Uh, yeah, maybe a little stunned. Um, but Jaden Delora absolutely could single handedly keep this game close uh, for Stanford. Um, but that said, Stanford is an ass program, absolute yeah. terrible bad. Whereas Arizona still kind of the same thing as last year, a really volatile but good offense, and then an improving defense. 12 points makes me a little uncomfortable, but I'm still taking Arizona. I don't feel that uncomfortable with 12. Like, anything under two touchdowns, like, Stanford just lost to Sacramento State, you know? Arizona went on the road to an SEC team and should have won. You know, I feel like Arizona's going to be, you know, outmanning, outgunning the Cardinal easy. Like, I I mean, I would probably take this minus 20, you know? Would you go, what would you do minus 20? Stanford. Really? Yeah, I mean, look, Mississippi State's probably terrible. Um, we've learned that now about the Bulldogs. Um, okay. They they are not good. So that takes on a different complexion. UTEP isn't good, and they only won by three touchdowns. Um, Northern Arizona wasn't good, and they didn't like exactly do what they should do against an FCS. Stanford's not good. Stanford's bad, but... 20 points is a lot of points. Yeah. So I well, think we only have to do 12. I think, so. yeah, I think if it was anything higher than 14, I'd have to actually think about it. Okay. Uh, we're both going the gunslinger. Uh, that's what uh, Tony in the uh, chat was saying. Um, JDL is a gunslinger. He is. Oops, I put up the wrong one there. That's okay. Um, but that's what they were saying. All right. So we're both going to go with Arizona. Next up, we got uh, the night games, Pac 12 after dark. USC Trojans. All right. I'll oh, take yeah. it. <laughs> Taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> it's because they're borderline not a like a Power <laughs> Five team anymore. We uh, still have their sound. Yeah. Uh, Seven thirty p.m. on Big Fox. Number five USC traveling to Tempe to take on Arizona State. Famously lost to uh, Fresno State twenty nine points last week. Hey, is USC better than Fresno State? I think so. Okay. ASU is only a 34 and a half point dog at home. I would have this one at about 45. <laughs> um, and I might still take USC. Uh, Dillingham took over the play calling, so I think they will score a touchdown. I, I will confidently say ASU will score at least one touchdown in this game. The problem is I think USC is going to score between 7 and 10. Yeah. This is... Um... USC had the bye week, right? We haven't seen them for a little while. They had reporter gate going on. ASU's got all kinds of injuries. I think they're going to get some people back this week. Drew Pine might play. Uh, Drew Pine? 
who famously threw two interceptions and fumbled the ball twice he against might, Fresno State last week? He might play. Okay. Is that a threat? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he played against USC a couple of years ago at Notre Dame and looked okay. Or maybe was it last year? Well, and I guess all bets are off. This is no longer uh, Bo Baldwin's offense. Uh, yeah, maybe they score a little instead of a goose egg. Uh, yeah, this is tough. Like, I'm going to take USC. Minus, I mean, every game they've had, is it's like you have to cover seven touchdowns or something. You know, six touchdowns. This like, is only five. I do not know how <laughs> we got this number. This is great. All right. Uh, but that's still a lot of touchdowns, like on the road for a conference game to try to cover. So uh-huh. they're really trying to encourage Did, you to take. You, ASU. you watched. You watched. You, you watched uh, uh, ASU last week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It wasn't good. Yeah. Shut up um, at home. Okay. By Fresno State, which struggled to beat its FCS opponent the previous week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see uh, what happens there in the desert. Crazy things can happen. Our last game of the week, we've got California Golden Bears. <laughs> Going on the road to number eight, Washington Huskies. And this is the other 7.30 game on ESPN. Cal traveling to Seattle to take on Washington. This feels like the trappiest of trap lines because Washington is a three-touchdown favorite, and it feels, again, like it should be 28, 30, 31. So I I think there's something here I'm missing for sure. Like, they wouldn't have set the line like this, like, this badly and so i'm i'm caveat that i'm missing something but i'm 100 percent taking washington here yeah there's just they're um they look like a world destroying offensive monster at this point and i think defensively i mean what excites you about cal's offense they can run the ball okay is jade not going to be back also they can they they can't throw the ball sam jackson hasn't been good so what are like you think they're keeping up with Washington or you think they're stopping Washington? What are we thinking here, Vegas? I don't yeah. understand this at all. I think Washington's going to win by like 42. Yeah. No, I agree with so you. So there's obviously something I'm missing because this is... A, it doesn't seem like a big enough number. No. The way that Washington's scoring. I mean, this was at home. They were on the road against Michigan State and just pummeled them. Yeah. I'm going to go with Washington too. I don't like that we're all picked the same. So if you're watching live on YouTube, I'm really on the fence about... UCLA, Utah. I have UCLA. Should I take Utah minus four and a half? And I've been thinking about maybe Colorado even. Just taking Colorado plus 21 on the road. If you like either one of those, you want me to switch. If Dave will allow it, I'll switch one of them. I'll allow it if you want to switch something in show. Yeah. Just don't do the bullshit where you try to switch it on like Saturday morning because you learn about a new injury. No. Um, so, yeah, let me know, chat, uh, if I should switch the UCLA, Utah game or Oregon, Colorado, or just stay with what I got and we'll kind of go from there. All right, uh, we got questions to get to. Anything else we need to talk about? No, that's it. It's going to be a fun week. Everyone enjoy it. Here's a vo- yeah, should be an awesome week. Um, really, co- it's like twelve thirty, four, seven thirty. Boom, boom, boom. Get it done, and uh, I'll be at that seven thirty game. So I should hopefully be able to watch some of these other ones early on. All right, our we have a voicemail. Play it for you right now. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Uh, after watching a pretty boring weekend last weekend of Pac-12 football and really getting psyched for the great matchups we have this weekend, my uh, football question this week is for Dave. Um, U.S. Senator Mitt Romney has retired or announced he won't be seeking another term. And I've, I've seen some comments on, on different subreddits and stuff like that and, and kind of some history areas that they've said he's probably one of the, one of the people that they'd say was, um, 
probably the, the best person or the best candidate to have never become president. Um, I'm sure that you disagree with that sentiment, and so I was wondering, is there a uh, a party ticket or any candidate that for you has come to mind over uh, you know, a period of U.S. history that uh, you would have liked to have seen been U.S. president or, or wish was? Thanks, guys. Okay. Um, so, great question. Mitt Romney is from the classic line of conservatives. I mean, prior to this latest shift of uh, the discourse, but like the classic line of conservatives who are just kind of like corporate party, like, you know, relatively, I won't say middle of the road because the discourse in uh, our Overton window is so far shifted to the right, but pretty middle of the road, pretty milk toast. I mean, he, he was famously the Massachusetts governor who installed something akin to Obamacare, which should be proof to everyone that Obamacare is a right-wing solution to health care. Um, but whatever. I mean, if he'd been president, it would have been, uh, you know, kind of not quite six of one, half a dozen of the other when he was running in, what was it, 2008? Did he run in 2008 and 2012? Yeah, it was 2012, too. Uh, if he'd beaten Obama, it would have been... McCain? Yeah, I mean... McCain was 2008? Some social things would have gone differently, yeah. but the general thrust of American politics, I think, would have been largely the same. Um, my answer here uh, is uh, <laughs> Eugene V. Debs, maybe um, famous uh, socialist uh, American who was uh, uh, ran for president from prison, famously, um, and I think got like an absurd percentage of the vote, like really? nine or ten percent. Uh, oh, it was six percent in nineteen twelve. Um, wow, from prison. Yeah, uh, and he ran for, I think it was like five straight years. He was sort of the Ralph Nader of the time, except with a lot more popular support. Um, so that would have been cool, but that would have required a shift in uh, everything. I mean, the, the obvious answer for me is very recently Bernie Sanders, uh, who, um, but for an 11th hour coalescence of the uh, 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 mainstream of the Democratic Party, was the front runner. If the if the field had remained divided, he would have won the Democratic primary race and then I, I think would have defeated Trump uh, for the presidency in 2020. So that's the one that's like, damn, wish that had happened. Um, but historically, Eugene V. Debs, if if the if literally the populace of the United States had been different and he had won, I think, uh, well, there'd be a lot different right now. Uh, OC Bodybuilder says McCain was 08. Romney was 12. Yeah. So. Uh, I thought I remember that one. Okay, uh, we got some emails. We got a lot of emails. Uh, this one's from Corbin. Question for Ryan. I was listening to the latest episode when you said something that shattered my mind. I had to pull my car over to type this email out. It could not wait until I got to Red Robin. Dave was rightfully criticizing you for spending your own money on 24-7 sports shirts. And then you told the whole world that you buy them for your staff. Listen, I'm not upset with you for buying shirts for your staff. I actually respect that about you a lot. In a world where my employer openly lied to my face about when I would be eligible for 401k contributions, you are out there making sure your hardworking staff looks professional. Kudos to you. But why are you buying another brand? I understand that they are your overlords and the 24-7 Sports Network really is incredible. But you have your own brand that you created and probably bled for. Uh, as the kids say, I think it's time to put the the P on a fleek. On fleek. On fleek. Come on. Okay. I don't know. What's on fleek mean? What kind of, uh, like, I don't know. Great. I don't know what it is. It, okay. it, looks, it looks great. Like it's uh, on display. Gotcha. Anyways, enjoy the bye week and the aftermath of whatever week's three slate of games ends up being. Thank you both for this podcast. If Spotify had a rating system and review system, I'd absolutely fill out a five-star review. 
Corbin. So the one issue with me, if I put like uscfootball.com on clothes, I could make it for my staff. Um, it does look kind of homery though, as far as just like, it's like USC colors and all that kind of stuff. I have some stuff, but I don't wear a lot. Um, but I can't sell any uscfootball.com gear because USC has trademark. I've tried to make gear before. It would only be giveaway kind of gear. Yeah. So it's like just a parent company stuff. Well, it's it's one thing to have it for SEO purposes because that's a it's you know you 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 squatted on that immediately and that was a very good business move for yeah. you. Um, but then there's the other part where you can't look like you're um, literally cheerleading. Um, right. And so it's you know that's a tough thing. Most of the two four seven sites have something like, you know, ours is Bruin Report Online, but a lot of them are like Beaver Blitz or Duck Territory. So it's the mascot name and then some other bullshit that's not related to the actual team. His is literally uscfootball.com. It's hard to do. Yeah. Hard to add that to a t-shirt. I've met with lawyers about that. Yes. <laughs> it's a tough situation. Uh, but that's why you've branded uh, the Peristyle more, because that works a little bit better, right? Yeah. I don't think that's... I think I could sell something like that. Yeah. Like, you could I have Peristyle.com. Yeah. You could probably send sell the Peristyle. Um, yeah. All right, text message. Uh, this is one I posted on Twitter, but we'll talk about it here. Uh, Dear Ryan and David, I don't know if anyone wants to comment about your last masturbation show, but I found it hard to listen to. I felt like I was back in middle school with that obnoxious kid that used it, that trigger word or gimmick to highlight their immaturity. David, you went on and on like no one is aware that masturbation is a 24-7 urge of the male species. Go ahead and criticize that I'm probably over 50, but this show was a little much. I get you need a sidebar topic to make the show entertaining, but make better choices. No worries. I will continue to listen to your great sports content. A few notes. First, um, we don't plan anything on this show, except for literally writing in the power rankings every week. So planned sidebars? No. It's just kind of off the cuff. Did I know I was going to talk about Mel Tucker masturbating? Uh, yes. It's a sports <laughs> topic of the day. It's important. <laughs> Uh, two, uh, I wouldn't criticize you for being over 50. Uh, my partner is uh, geriatric himself. Um, 52. Yep. So I understand that. I understand the sensibilities. Uh, that's not at issue here. What I will say, and this is the one note I have here, because um, first, like, if you didn't want to hear a bunch of masturbatory talk, I get it. That's that's fine. David, you went on and on like no one is aware that masturbation is a 24-7 urge of the male species. What's going on with this guy? I don't know. Because I don't want to masturbate right now. Yeah. Do you want to masturbate no. right now? No. We don't want to masturbate right now. Do you out there? <laughs> if you're a man, do you? Uh, or a woman. Men can't. Women can't. Well, he's saying the male species. Oh, okay. Uh, first male species. What's going on there? Um, We're not but, species. But, but uh, uh, not a 24-7 urge. If it is, I advise you to... Uh, Different 24-7. To seek, a <laughs> 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 to seek uh, medical care. Because uh, that's, not, that's not normal. Not normal. What Mel Tucker did is not normal. The 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 point I was making in my facetious way is that that shouldn't be advice that you. I'm going to explain the joke. It shouldn't be advice you need if you're if you're a if you're a person. Uh, you shouldn't right. need the advice to not masturbate on a phone call, let alone a phone call with a sexual assault victim. That's not advice that you should need from a podcast or anyone else. So belaboring the point was was the joke. Some of those warn. I always make jokes about the warning labels of things, or just like, don't plug this toaster in and take it into the bathtub with you. And I'm like, well, if you, if that saves somebody's life, is it really a life worth saving? Like, did we need that person in the population that they needed to know not to plug in the toaster and bring it to the bathtub with them? You know, <laughs> like, are we really helping the world, or are we just like? Because he's gonna die somewhere else. So he's gonna, like if if you if yeah, that, it's, it's sort of the the Darwin that, Awards thing. Yeah, that warning yeah. label saved you. Something else is gonna get you. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
Is that too cruel? <laughs> the world's out to get you, man. <laughs> that's pretty mean, probably, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So this was me. Uh, Frank says, it's true. Stanford is butt. And he sent a picture of a sparse crowd uh, watching the end of the game. Uh, lost to Sacramento State. He says, Frank in Sacramento. So right. he was very happy about that. Very true. All right. Uh, I think the next one is spam. So we'll go on to Cliff. Thank you, Stanford. Ryan and David, I would like you to pass on my thanks to the Stanford tree for making more time available to me in my weekly schedule. With their loss to Sacramento State, they have relieved me of the responsibility of taking between two and four minutes each week to decide which team will receive my entry in the podcast of Champions Survivor Pool. Cliff. Did Sorry it take two that, to four minutes? Really? Uh, it took me like a minute and a half the other day. Yeah. For this one, it took me 10 seconds. Yeah, this was pretty easy. Um, all right. Bobby, ASU Rebuild Misery. Hey, guys. It's so hard to go to these ASU games this season. It's not like we were destined to be good, but the injuries are nearly comical at this point. Oh, six of the top eight offensive line, the top three quarterbacks, the fifth string is having a decal slapped on his helmet. I can't emphasize enough how much Herm Edwards, Ray Anderson, and Michael Crow have destroyed ASU football. Someone should put together a case study on the Dunning uh, Dunning's Kruger effect of those three. Thanks. So from you, Bobby, do you know the Dunning Kruger effect? I do not. Off the it's this idea of perceived competence. Um, it's inversely proportional to your actual competence. So uh, if you perceive yourself to be extremely, extremely competent, uh, it's inversely proportional to your actual competence at the thing that you're doing. Gotcha. Um, it's this idea that people who are good at a thing are generally more aware of their own deficiencies at that thing, um, whereas like nobody who writes for a living will ever say I'm a good writer. They will say I am garbage. I am trash. Everything I write is horrible. I hate myself. I would like it if nobody read anything I ever write. Right? That is that the mark. Pretty good. That is the mark of a true writer, <laughs> a good writer. Um, somebody who thinks they're a good writer is almost invariably not. Uh, mm. Until you get to a, a certain level of mastery where y- you kind of know. Um, but the idea is that you know. People rise to their level of incompetence, not... Uh, Is that Peter Principle? Sort of the same thing as the Peter okay. Principle, where you arise to a level where... You, but it's also this idea of being ignorant. A big component your, is ignorance of your, of your, of your deficiencies. Okay. Um, because that's what uh, causes the confidence. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. There was a little thing, too. I think um, it might have been Cartman tweeting something about... Th- th- there's some kind of push to like fire Ray Anderson. I think he has two years left on his deal. And then John Wilner like tweeted something out like a joke, like, you know, the coming news will be like basically it's pressure to get rid of Ray Anderson. And Wilner's like, this definitely means that there's going to be like a five year extension for Ray Anderson. And then people were looking at that like, wait, he got extended for five years. Like, no, 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 that's a joke. But you could see that happening because he should be fired. And instead, they'll probably extend him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Is the next one me? I think so, yeah. All right. Question for David David Woods regarding rushing the field. Uh, I tweeted, uh, uh, I think it was on Sunday, storming the court field is cool and fun, and everyone should do it after every win. Thank you for your time and attention on this matter. He said, uh, should Moorhead State rush the field after beating the 64 rival in 1971? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, did something bad happen? I don't know. Well, if it did, like if a bunch of people died, then no. Yeah, this is from Dave. I don't know. Um, But uh, my general point is that it's fun to do it. 
I think people like to police this crap on on social media, but they've been doing it before social media. This has always been a thing that people like to police, like this pride, this pride thing, and their, you know, uh, their discerning uh, sensibilities regarding when you're when not you're supposed to rush the field. You're supposed to do it when it's fun. Uh, is it fun after like a thirty-five point blowout? No, so you don't people people do it. Is it fun after a emotional win where you win on like a last second play? Yeah, it's fun, so you do it. Uh, I don't think it needs to be more complicated than that. It's what would a drunk student do? Follow that guideline. Uh, a drunk student thinks it's fun to do it after a field goal wins against a, a shitty FCS. Great. You're rushing the field. Uh, drunk student doesn't think it's fun when you beat a ranked team by 21 points uh, and you were unranked. Okay, then you don't do it then. But you just you pick your moments. It's the emotional high of, of being a drunk student. They're the ones who are rushing the field. We don't need to judge them. None of us are drunk students anymore. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I looked through the chat. Didn't look like people wanted me to switch my picks, so I'm just gonna no no differences for David I this week. Uh, Doug says he has an idea for the podcast. This might have been the guy that gave us the review, if I'm not mistaken. It says, "Hey guys, thanks for the podcast. Big SC fan and a USCFootball.com member for more than 15 years. Thank you for that. So keep the name Podcasts of Champions, but only cover Big Ten teams that have won a national championship not since 1980. That would be SC Washington, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State." You could say all time and pick up UCLA. You could even pick up the Zeros because they claim one of Georgia's championships through Land Danning. While snarkily described, something like this could actually be fun. On week one of 2024, I don't want an 18-game recap of games with the games like Illinois versus West Central Eastern Michigan. I'd rather focus on the cream of the league. So a podcast of Big Ten champions. Cheers from Doug. Certainly something to think about. We've we've really got to put our heads together at some point here soon to figure out what this is going to look like. Because I agree. I didn't think Does about that. anyone give a shit about Illinois versus Penn State? Or not even Illinois versus Penn State. Illinois versus Iowa? But there's going to be a whole bunch of like Mac teams playing Big Ten teams. like so. Yeah, like early on. Purdue Ball State or something. Are we going to cover that? Like, I'm not covering that. Like, I'm drawing a line there. No. Yeah, I don't know that we can do that. I didn't think about the out-of-conference. That's no, no. That's a non-starter for me. We need to figure some things out. Yeah, like, it's it's one thing if Oregon's playing Eastern Washington. Like, okay. But I'm I'm not doing uh, Toledo in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is from My63 Chevy. Oregon State and Wazoo getting the short end again. Has College Game Day missed a big opportunity to head to Pullman for undefeated Washington State versus undefeated Oregon State in a battle of two ranked teams, the big boys in the power structure left behind? I know I'm biased, but that's a way better storyline than heading to Notre Dame, Ohio State for the 50th time. In a related question, how is CU ranked ahead of Washington State? No human who watched both those teams play versus a common opponent, Colorado State, would come away thinking CU is a better team. CU may very well have been blown out had the entire CSU team not had some kind of side bet on earning as many flags and penalty yards as, pa- as possible. Is this just the, quote, prime bump? So that's a really so really good question. One, yes, I think it is a missed opportunity. I think the like environment up at Washington State would, do, would be amazing, but I also think it's a potentially a bad PR hit for ESPN. I mean, this is like the opportunity. The, the two left, the two teams left over. You know, like craziness. Well, like, what would the signage be about ESPN if they went to that? Yeah, like ESPN is what's doing this in a large part. So you know, that's where I think the like, actual corporate stuff might play a role. Now, I think it'd be way cooler. Notre Dame, Ohio State's a matchup of top ten teams, so I get it. But uh, the environment at Pullman would be incredible. Yeah. Um, two. 
I think you're totally right on Colorado and Washington State. That's why we have them ranked below Washington State. Uh, one of these teams has looked more impressive than the other, and it's Washington State. Yeah, it's not just a prime bump. There's, I mean, there's teams that the media are, you know, you've covered for a long time. If it was Nebraska where they were, like, really good, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, right now, if you're Georgia, you're getting the benefit of the doubt, even though they haven't played anybody. Or, you know, Alabama for years. You're giving Colorado the benefit of the doubt just because there's because of prime and you know him and he's delivered in his first few games. And uh, so they're going to get that. There's a lot of excitement around the program. Um, Washington state's more blue collar. Like it's kind of switched a little bit here. So yeah, I think there's a bump, but it's not just, I think it's on the Washington state side too, like kind of a prove it thing. And it's tough because you're going to have all these PAC 12 teams play each other. So are you going to go from eight ranked teams to five next week? Cause those three teams lose. I don't know. Hopefully not. But um, you're not seeing like the benefit of the doubt. But getting those early out of conference wins, you know, beating Wisconsin at home, that gets you there. Um, you know, beat Oregon State, and I think Washington State will move up. Colorado loses, they're probably you know dropping. Uh, but maybe they stay. Maybe they stay in the top 25 if they lose on the road to Oregon. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Is this mine now? Yep. This is a question request for the bearded one. Good day, gentlemen. This is Matt in San Diego, by the way. Uh, with how competitive the Pac-12 appears to be this season, it seemed like a wise idea for both content and relevance to compare the league to other events of historical significance. Dave, with your extensive knowledge of everything in the in the universe, can you do a brief 10 to 15 minute synopsis relating the Roman Empire to the 2023 Pac-12 season as it stands today? Thanks in advance. Sincerely, Matt from San Diego. Oh, wow. Okay. Um... Right, real quick, there's like a TikTok thing going around. About the Roman Empire, yeah. Basically, you ask a dude, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And apparently, a lot of men think about the Roman Empire, like, a lot. Mm. What would would your answer be? I don't know, once a week? Yeah, I would, once a year. I don't think about the Roman Empire. Um, I don't know what that means. (laughs) So, here's the thing, is I don't think there's a perfect analogy within the traditional Roman Empire. I think you have to go to the Byzantine era. Okay. Uh, because this seems very much like um, the restoration of Constantinople, uh, recovering Constantinople from the Crusader uh, Latin Empire in the 1200s by Michael uh, Palaiologos, I believe is how you pronounce the name. Sure. Uh, he was the uh, emperor who finally retook Constantinople from the – because the Crusaders came in and they sacked Constantinople. The Crusaders in this instance being – USC, UCLA, Fox, and ESPN, right? And they took Constantinople. Uh, but then... Changed uh, it to Istanbul. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. Th- that actually didn't happen until the early 1900s. Okay. Um, uh, during a particular religious phase for uh, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, before that, they continued Constantinople. Um, but this was um, uh, a period where there was this restoration for a, a brief time where... Not only did they have the city uh, of the world's desire, Constantinople, uh, under Michael Paleogos, but they also had p- most of uh, Anatolia, most of Greece. Again, it was it was essentially the traditional uh, Byzantine Empire for a brief period of time. So it was sort of a, a, a brief resurgence. It was like the, you know, the the um, if you've ever been around somebody who's dying, the, the period where they've got that like sudden glow at the end. It was like that for an empire. You get the heartbeat going a little bit more. Yeah, they, they have this brief burst of energy okay. where it's there. Uh, they're conscious. They're in a, in a state of uh, awareness. It was like that 
for an empire. So I think that's what we're experiencing right now with the Pac-12. It's essentially like that that brief period where they'd recovered Constantinople before uh, uh, the the Turks eventually sacked the city. Uh, Scott says, not being familiar with TikTok in the slightest, I'm going to guess Roman Empire is a euphemism for sex. No, I think it's actually people talk about the Roman Empire. But maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't do much of the TikTok thing. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, this is from Dave. Uh, Washington recruiting concerns and Heisman rambling. Washington's punting game has seen minimal action this year uh, with just one punt outside of garbage time. Today, OC Ryan Grubb confirmed his offensive philosophy revolves around scoring on every drive in stark contrast to teams like Cal, Utah, Oregon, and future Big Ten opponents who prioritize field position battles and time of possession. What impact might this have on Washington's ability to recruit top-tier punters? Could the role of punter go the way of the fullback if more teams adopt Grubb's strategy of relentless scoring? Um, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, UCLA's punter um, against NC Central, because UCLA ran it on one fourth and 11 late, I think he only punted once in that game. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah. Right? Um, no, that, that, um, Tom Malone was USC's punter like in the Reggie Matt days. And was averaging like 50-something yards a punt, but he didn't qualify because he never punted enough yeah. for like the top punter in the nation. Yeah. And then apologies, my second question might tread into the realm of offseason madness, but fear not. I've tied it back to the current season with some hypothetical Phoenix Heisman, Heisman implications. Writing this email, I realized the scarcity of QB pooch kicks in recent years. Were the early 2010s a golden era for pooch punting, or is my Washington fan bias showing? I just had an epiphany that Jake Browning might have been a generational talent in the QB pooch punting department. While not a widely tracked stat, I spent five minutes Googling and I'm ready to confidently claim Browning as the FBS career record holder for pooch punts, 23. Hang the banner. Note this record is limited to FBS as Taylor Heineke uh, racked up an impressive 42 punts at FCS Old Dominion. Did the offensive talent around Jake Browning at Washington hinder his potential for a more dominant punting career? (laughs) I love it. Love it. Now, here's the promised hypothetical scenario for you. If Michael Penix possesses punting skills on the same level as Jake Browning, would you consider adjusting Washington's offensive philosophy to showcase another aspect of Penix's game, potentially boosting his Heisman draft odds? No one will remember if you score 50 instead of 57 on Cal next year, but they will remember Washington's pick, Heisman punter Michael Penix Jr. With Travis Hunter's injury, uh, Penix currently leads all likely Heisman candidates in tackles, a single tackle to be precise. Leading in tackles and punts alongside the typical QB junk would be a no-brainer Phoenix Heisman in my book. I love it. Yeah. I think they should be punting at least once a game. Pooch punt. A lot of words, no questions in there. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Search says pooch punting is winning. Indeed. Remember that? Was that New Heisel that said punting is winning? Yes, 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 yes. Man, he yes, was good. he was so good. We loved, <laughs> we loved him. He was making a very specific point, but I think it, it's such a perfect encapsulation of his career. He was speaking to his quarterback Kevin Kraft, who was horrible uh, through picks all the time, and he was making the point: just stop throwing picks, stop turning the ball over. Punting is better for us because we have an okay defense. Just please stop throwing interceptions. Ah, but. Uh, in retrospect, it's such a perfect description of that entire era. Punting is winning. Yes. This is from Cavett. Uh, he sent one email and corrected it. Um, it's, it's, oh, no, I'm so Nath- Just read the second one, I think. Yeah, Nathaniel from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, hey, guys. The Big 12 looks really bad outside of Oklahoma and Texas this year with no top 25 teams and a lot of bad losses. It sucks that the Pac-12 is going away. 
and they are sticking around. As a Utah fan, I'm just worried that the Big 12 doesn't have much of a future. Looking at these teams, to me, it never made sense why they had the hype and the TV deal. Yes, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF had some good years, but those teams do not add up to a league-saving combo. With the corner schools moving over next year, I wonder how much they will regret it when super conferences are formed. Will any team from the new Big Big 12 be included? What is your forecast for the Big 12 over the next five or six years? Here's to wishing the pack would have killed the Big 12 when they had the chance a few years ago. Uh, that's Nathaniel. And, you know, I think one of the advantages the Big 12 has, David, I would say on this one, is that they're pretty much immune to conference expansion because they don't have like a desirable brand. There's not like an Oregon or Washington in there right now. But then that could be to the detriment if there, do, if there does become a super league or whatever, then no one's really super desirable in that league at all. It's a good, a lot of it's, like good teams. So it's only if the super league eventually fully breaks off from the rest of college football. Because yeah. I think the thing is, and I've made this point before, $31 million is enough money. You don't need to match money. You just need enough money. And I think for a program like Utah, $31 million is enough money to continue to compete. It's just if the if the literal level is closed off to you. Um, and we're still, I think, at least a decade away from that. Yeah. Um, so as long as uh, the Big 12 still has potential access to the playoff, um, and especially if it continues to remain a 12-team playoff, which I have no reason to think it won't. Um, I don't think you're in any harm for the next decade. And anybody thinking on anybody thinking on a longer time horizon than five years is crazy right now, uh, but certainly longer than ten years. Uh, so be happy with it now. You you got your lifeline uh, to a new uh, league, and no, it's not one of the ones that will eventually be part of a super league, which seems inevitable at this point. But that's still that's still a ways off. Yeah. All right. This is from. Uh, Yee. Uh, sorry, I didn't see the name there. Um, Stanford, how dare you? Hey, Ryan and Dave. I'm so pissed. Look at the screenshot. I spent about two hours preseason to make a detailed chart about the survival pool, and I'm so ready to win it this year. But there you go. Stanford just ruined it. Look at this. I even prepared two picks each week. The first one is to survive as long as possible, and the second one is trying to be correct each week. Anyway, as I said in the smack talk, Stanford should shut down the program. Thanks for the entertaining shows every week, though. Yeah, uh, Yee did a lot of work here. <laughs> yeah. So he went with... Cal, Cal, then it was UCLA, Washington. So that's kind of early. Yeah, but Stanford, Stanford were his two picks for. So he greenlit. So he did. He did a. Uh, he did a, basically a confidence thing, where he greenlit several games, yellowed several games, and then there were reds for any games that he thought would be major losses. It's a really detailed uh, uh, spreadsheet. And it's very, very sad that um, Stanford had one green light. Stanford had one green light, and it was Sac State, and. Uh, yeah, boy, howdy. Yeah, that was bad. Well, that's why you don't do this all pregame. Like we, like if if we did this pre I'm preseason, if we did this preseason, yeah, we would have probably had Stanford. Like when is Stanford going to play? Like, yeah, no, I, I think the 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 thesis needed to change on Stanford as soon as they uh, got their asses blasted by USC. Yeah. All right, I think we got one last question, Ethan, for Washington D.C. Uh, is that? Pac-12 territory. Oh, there's no more Pac-12. But I mean, yeah, what's over there? That's a Big Ten country. Mm -hmm. Hey, fellas, quick question for Ryan. In case Dave uh, hasn't already gone into depth about this, can you briefly expound upon how much poop is in Lincoln Riley's diaper over the reporting thing? Mm. Are we talking full blowout or just a smear? And do we think he's a Huggies or a Pampers kind of guy? Thanks. 
Ethan in uh, the, the nation's capital. So there's a lot of USC fans who are upset with me on Twitter about this. Really? Yeah, That's it's weird. So it's shocking. very strange. Um, that, that you said that their head coach has won all these games, has poopy diapers, and they're not happy with you. <laughs> well, I'm just trying. And the thing is, I'm just looking for answers, right? Yes. I'm, I'm a, journalist. a journalist. I am pursuing answers to my questions. And I want to know Unless exactly. A, an actual story. You're no, but here's the thing. I want to know exactly what Ethan wants to know. I want to know. Is this um, just a situation where it smells a little bit, right? Like we've all been around a kid that has soiled themselves, right, in their diaper. Mm. And you smell it and you're like, oh, you know, probably need to change that, right? Or is it a situation where this kid like has such a full diaper that like when they sit, it makes a squelching noise, uh, <laughs> poop runs out of the leg holes, where like when you – if you if you change a diaper before where it's so full that when you open it, it like pops open like an accordion. Mm. Um like that sort of fullness of a diaper. Gotcha. Um, and that's the thing we got to know. And that's the thing I've I've asked I've asked Lincoln Riley, I've asked uh, USC football, I've asked uh, the AD, I asked USC athletics. How how has that gone? I uh, haven't received a response. Really? It's very strange. Seems weird. Like that's that's bad customer service. If not <laughs> it's just it's just I'm a journalist, right? <laughs> and I have I have questions, um, and yeah. I'm asking them in a public forum, right? I'm asking them of primary sources, and I'm not getting a response. Yeah. Uh, Matthew says, uh, David pointed out, hold on, let me pull it up here. David pointed out that the Emperor Lincoln had no clothes except for his stinky diaper, and the crowd hates him for it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <laughs> pretty funny. Oh, right. yeah. You know what? Our, our, our friend who sent the text message isn't going to like that either. Is he's gonna think it's sophomoric to talk about a oh a, true he a, didn't like a forty year old man. Um, you've talked diaper. about masturbation and stinky adult diapers. Look, we've all experienced that weeks. with changing a diaper, haven't we? I've changed a diaper, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, not as many as you, probably. No, I've changed. Uh, I think my number is probably thinking my kids stayed in them for about three years each. Probably what minimum? I was changing a minimum of four a day. Wow. So we're probably, I mean, we're probably close to 10,000. That's a lot of diapers. I've changed a lot. I'm an expert at diaper changes. That's why I'm able to describe in detail, like the feel of like, (laughs) you know, whatever, you got distracted and a little like 12 year olds, 12 months old toddling around and they fill up their diaper with a bunch of pee and then you open it and it's like the accordion spilling out. Uh, Um, That's a, that's an experience I've had, you know? Good for you. I'm I'm going to go camping at Catalina. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all oh, right babies well you guys hope you guys enjoy uh the weekend again sorry for some reason we couldn't do a recap show earlier in the week i don't know what happened whatever uh but we're back uh and i don't know are we gonna we're gonna do recaps and we're we gonna try to do that do you want to um i would now like that we to have, now that we only have short I think, I think we can commit to it semi-regularly. There's okay. going to be times where we're just unable to make it work because uh, Sunday is the, you know, basically the one day of the week that, like, my kids can get my undivided attention for, like, four hours, which is terrible, but we love it. Uh, and then Mondays, it's just a matter of fitting it in. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up here on the Podcast of Champions. I thought we recapped all the games, previewing questions. I think we did it. We crushed it. In a, in a short amount of time. Yeah, we nailed this. We uh, we owned this week. Nice. Uh, we do appreciate everyone watching on our YouTube channel. Thank you for that. It's been growing every week. So please like and subscribe over there. Wherever you listen to the podcast, if you can like, subscribe, leave us a review. 
We appreciate that as always. How many people do we have on? Oh, wow. We had like, we had up to like 165 people in the, uh, yeah, baby, in our YouTube chat. That's awesome, guys. Thank you so much, guys and gals, for doing that. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, for David David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.